0: Hello, and welcome to the first episode of a four-part podcast series in which we'll be speaking with eight different women we've honored in our inaugural Women in Turf promotion. My name is Mike Jiggins, editor of Turf & Wreck. In this first segment, we'll hear from Julie Vonk, a team leader at Birch Landscape Services in Waterloo, Ontario, and Miranda Robinson, operations manager of the British Columbia Golf Superintendents Association. Both of these women, as well as our other six celebrants, were selected based on their leadership skills, their work ethic, their innovative skills, and their roles as mentors to others. Beginning with our March print issue, four of the women selected for this honor are being profiled, while the other four will be featured in our April-May issue. Let's listen now as we chat with Julie Vonk. Maybe just a a little bit of... um background on yourself to begin with? Um, you know, how you got started in the industry, that sort of thing?
1: Uh, well, my Oma and opa ran greenhouses in Holland Marsh near Bradford for Bradford Greenhouses, so I've pretty much been playing with flowers since I could walk. Um, my background is Dutch, so they immigrated here and started growing potted plants and bedding plants and things like that, so That's where it all started, but I actually went to school for interior decorating first. Oh, really? And then decided I did not like the whole dress pants, dress shirt, be nice to people all the time. (laughs) So I always liked being outside and gardening, so I figured, you know what, why not? So I went to school for horticulture for two years in London at Fanshawe and graduated in 2009, and the rest is history. I worked at a garden center for four years, then a garden company for almost 10 years, and now I'm at Birch Landscapes doing pretty much everything.
0: So is Birch uh, a full maintenance operation then? Is it a design-build uh, company? Yeah, just...
1: design, build, maintain, lawns, install, everything. We do snow and everything too.
0: So with uh, Birch, I, I guess you're um, you're... What, what would your title be exactly? Like a lead hand or a...
1: Yeah, it would be landscape Laborers, what it says on T4s, but technically I'd be the lead hand horticulturalist.
0: Okay, so you, you lead a crew of how many?
1: Wow. Uh, uh, usually two others, including myself, so three, but if there's garden installs, then I'm in charge. It's up to eight people.
0: And I understand that they're all uh, women along with yourself, like the, in your Yes. Crew.
1: Yep, so we're called Team Hulk because we pretty much destroy the guys' crews. We always have to help them finish their stuff. And they don't have any gardens to do. We have gardens, lawns.
0: So your crew is more than just uh, horticultural then? You, you look after yep. mowing and edging and trimming and yep. all the rest? Okay. Yep. Now, what uh, what's the clientele at uh, Birch? Is it, uh, is it commercial and residential, mainly residential?
1: It's mainly residential. We have a few commercial places that we do lawns and gardens up. Uh, mm-hmm. In the wintertime, it's basically the same. It's mostly residential and commercials. We have about, I think, seven commercial places and like 97 residential properties.
0: I understand, too, that uh, a lot of those residential customers are on the high-end side of things.
1: They are, yeah. Hoity toity, (laughs) pretty much all they expect there to be no weeds ever.
0: Okay, I see,
1: which is fine. That's usually why I'm the one who gets put on those specific properties because I let everybody else cut the grass and then I go right to the gardens every week and try and get all the trimming and deadheading and everything up to my standards, which sometimes are a bit higher than the customers. <laughs> Sometimes the customers will come out and tell me, "Julia, it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, it does actually, but <laughs> thank you.
0: <laughs> the, um, the Birch. Now, does it, uh, service mainly the Kitchener Waterloo area or do you go? It does.
1: Yep. That? Okay. Kitchener Waterloo, unless there's like a big job in Cambridge. Sometimes we'll go to Cambridge, but okay. it's usually just Kitchener Waterloo.
0: Um, What are some of the highlights of your career, would you say, at this point?
1: Uh, I really love installing ponds. Oh, yeah? It's uh, it's just, you start with absolutely nothing, dig a giant hole, and it looks like all hell broke loose, and then you end up with this beautiful water feature at the end.
0: And what do you add to these ponds uh, to make it, you know, tickety-boo?
1: Interior, like interior plants, so pond plants or exterior plants along the rocks like stream beds we also do fountains sometimes so it'd be like bubbling rocks
0: is part of the idea with the ponds to perhaps uh, attract some wildlife
1: yeah I'm for some people it's about a bit of an ecosystem but these days it seems to be more pondless waterfalls so people want the water feature but they don't want the work behind the pond okay, so like right. we have a few people where it's big ponds and they actually have fish in them but Say about 90% of people don't want raccoons to eat their koi fish out of their ponds all the time, so they just have pondless waterfalls.
0: No, I'm assuming that uh, within the company that uh, you do have some male peers.
1: um, We do, yeah. There's uh, only three females that work there.
0: Okay, and they all work directly with you. Yeah. Both work work directly with you. Yep. So, how are you uh, regarded by your male
1: peers then? Honestly, they're all scared shitless of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like. I mean, I've always worked with guys. I my friends have always been guys more so than girls. And if I do have female friends, usually they're kind of the same attitude as me. They're more tomboys. But like, there's only one male that I work with that I would say has issues taking orders from a female. And I don't really think it has anything to do with the fact that I'm a female. I think it's because I'm. 20 years younger than him but but I, like he has daughters so i don't think at all it's a oh you're a girl i don't have to listen to you like mm-hmm. i all of them seem pretty good with listening to me or me listening to them vice versa
0: now your uh, your background in horticulture i'm guessing that uh for the most part you're you're self-taught i suppose is that correct
1: yes and no i mean at fanshaw you learn a lot About gardens and plants. Like, if it weren't for college, I probably wouldn't know botanical names of plants. It would just be common names. But, I mean, it's all trial and error, right? So, yeah, I'd say some of it is self-taught, but a lot of what I know is from school. And it's just stuck with me. Only certain things have stuck with me. Now, what do
0: you enjoy most about your career? Gardening. Okay, anything specific?
1: No, not really. Like, I garden installs i would say like making something out of nothing is really rewarding you, you just see a blank slate and then all of a sudden it's completely different it adds to a house i like seeing customers faces when they come out and go oh my god it's so beautiful
0: now do the the clientele do they have much uh, input into what you do or do they kind of give you they a do yeah of or- so
1: I'll, I'll go and meet with people and Usually the first question I ask is, are there plants you absolutely do not want to see in your garden? Some people are really specific in particular. Other people are just like, whatever, put whatever you want as long as it looks good. But then there's people who want certain colors. They don't want other colors. They don't want hydrangeas or whatever. They want it to be completely different than anybody else's gardens.
0: And what about, uh, say, perennials versus uh,
1: annuals? I'd say generation between 40 and 50 likes the whole perennial idea, but older women between 60 and 80 like color all the time, so they have more preference in annuals. We don't usually plant annuals unless the customer asks us. We do planters at people's houses with annuals to give accents, but typically we try and do perennials just so... You don't have to go back and plant it every single year.
0: Now, do you have any particular uh, career goals with with Birch? Um, Is there uh, an opportunity for you to perhaps move up the ladder somewhat?
1: Well, the one guy that I work with is planning on buying the company, and then I'll be running it completely with him. I honestly have no interest in owning part of the company because I would never sleep, but I'll be helping him run it. I mean, I basically help Richard run it along with Adam, but... I don't have as much responsibility now as I will when Adam owns the business. I'll be completely running just garden crews. I won't be doing any lawn maintenance, which will be nice.
0: But I guess you're more of a hands-on person than someone who would rather. you, You don't want to be sitting behind a desk, in other words.
1: No, and when I have to do drawings, I don't mind doing designs. But if I have to sit for longer than an hour, I start to just get so antsy.
0: What uh, what advice would you have for other women who, uh, who might wish to enter the turf industry?
1: Work hard and don't be afraid to speak your mind, I guess. I, I'm not a feminist by any means. I think everyone should have to work hard to get where they want to go. But young women like under the age of 20 seem to be much more intimidated by a male-dominated industry than my generation, like 34 to 40. I don't know if it's just a generational thing, but younger 20 somethings, if they actually want to be in this industry, they cannot be afraid to get their hands dirty or work your ass off to get what you want. You can't just expect it to be handed to you because you're a girl. Yeah. Well, I, like, I, I know I'm not a hardcore feminist. I agree that women deserve equal rights and all that, but I worked my ass off. I am basically my father's son. <laughs> he didn't have one. So I grew up more. You're a girl, but that doesn't mean you can't work on cars with me or here. Grab a chainsaw and help me cut this down or grab a skill saw. I need you to rip a piece of lumber down or whatever. But my dad grew up with sisters that also had to work the same amount as her their brothers. So I was never really raised as you're a girl. Be careful. Don't break a nail. <laughs>
0: I from What I understand here, reading your, uh, your nomination form, it sounds like you're always looking to um, further your education in the field and by attending uh, Landscape Congress uh, seminars and what have you.
1: Yeah, I, I try to keep updated because, I mean, let's face it, it's been a while since I've been in college. So to stay up to date on stuff mm-hmm. is better than being stuck 11 years ago with Everything is different from 11 years ago. The plants all stay the same. Sometimes they throw new ones at you every year. But I try to keep up with courses and read up on whatever I can. Landscape Ontario magazines, things like that.
0: Have you found that uh, since COVID began that uh, there's been an uptick in the industry a little bit? Uh, Customers wanting more?
1: Yeah, I think so. Because people were at home more. So they were noticing, oh my God, my front yard looks like that. I need to do something about it because they were at home working from home, so they noticed it more, whereas before COVID, people were going to work every day. They came home and they went inside or whatever, and they didn't really spend time looking at their property because they were at work all the time.
0: Is there anything else about uh, yourself or, or uh, your career that uh, we might also find of interest?
1: No, I'm pretty much just your average landscaper.
0: <laughs> that was Julie Vonk team leader at Birch Landscape Services Limited in Waterloo. Now we'll hear from Miranda Robinson, operations manager with the British Columbia Golf Superintendents Association. You recently changed professions, moving from the Cordova Bay Golf Club in Victoria, where you were assistant superintendent, to a much different role with the BC GSA. Tell us about that.
2: I'm the operations manager of the association now.
0: So what does that entail?
2: Oh boy, I, I mean... I basically run the entire association on behalf of the board. So the board kind of does everything and I'm like, I make whatever they need to happen, happen. I I pretty much wear all of the hats except um, we partnered up with the CGSA this year so that they can kind of take, like they had already done like, um, they brought in like our registrations and kind of managed the registration because we had a joint, like when, when somebody applies or when somebody goes and does their dues, they used to give them to the BCGSA and then the BCGSA would then have to pass the dues along to the Canadian. So the Canadian was like, Hey, why don't we just process your dues as well as ours? And that way it's just more simplified. There's a lot less paperwork and, and whatnot. So then, In this partnership, they said, well, why don't we take over some of the administrative duties for Miranda so that and kind of do more of the accounting side of it so that she can be more out in the um, member services type um, role, which didn't really exist before because the previous person was more of an administrator. And the growth in the association wasn't quite as good as it could be just because she was kind of tied up constantly with administrative duties and didn't really have the the time and ability. So it kind of was a, a very, a very good partnership. And and in doing that, I'm also going to help the Canadian Association um, with their magazine. So I'm going to help do editing of their magazine along with um, somebody from the NGCOA. And so it's all, it's all a mixed bag of crazy right now. And I'm just kind of a month into it and just kind of we're all trying to sort the <laughs> the things out and the duties of what exactly it'll be. So it's kind of a, a hard one to hard one to kinda of define right now. I so previously for the last three years I have been on the conference committee and been one of the main planners. Um Dean Piller would do the hotel and the some of the sponsorship and stuff like that, whereas I procured most of the speakers and sorted that out and emceed the event and and all those kinds of things. So I was kind of like a good choice because I just have such a good background with them with doing the conference, which is such a big part of their association's ability to operate because they need that money to be able to run everything. So yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy huge change. I just took over January first, and um, the previous person is working uh, with me until the end of March to just kind of help I'll get
0: me on a little bit and.
2: Exactly.
0: I guess that's quite a, a change, though, really, from being, um, you know, a hands-on person, uh, you know, working directly on a golf course, you know, <laughs> getting up early in the morning and doing what you've got to do, and now you're uh, you're doing something entirely different.
2: Yes, it is very very different. And right now, I can be a little happier sitting inside when it's cold and raining. And I, I imagine in the summertime, once it's really nice out, it'll be a little bit more glaring about that. Side of it, so it's um I I kept I just keep getting injured at work, and I'm just to the point now that I started wondering, geez, is this something that I can sustain? I just I don't have an off button. I don't know how to slow myself down out there, or I would have done that. I just keep hurting myself because I work aggressively and I get stuff done, and then in turn my body ends up paying the the price <laughs> for my brain's initiatives. <laughs> So this is, um, it's going to be really good to be able to focus on getting my body a little bit back to a better physical state. Right. I'm I'm looking forward to that part of it. Um, just, yeah, I, I hurt my low back a couple of times last year in a row and it just, I, I, you know, once you hurt your lower back, it kind of is something that's going to nag at you forever and. I'm seeing that.
0: Well, obviously you've uh, you've fallen in love with British Columbia. You know, you, all that time you spent in Ontario, and now you've uh, made a pretty big career move from being a golf course assistant to uh, to doing what you're doing now. And you is, is BC? Would you consider that uh, home now for you?
2: I just love the outdoors and so not that Ontario doesn't have a wealth of awesome outdoor space and and that is where I you know first fell in love with all of that stuff but it's just such a different animal here with the climate so I can be outside all winter and I can go hiking and it's never really snowing and
0: although you have had a taste of some Ontario weather out there uh, (laughs) this year I guess
2: yeah, yeah but like it lasts for a week and then it's gone it's it's kind of I mean and another thing in the summertime there's where like on the island there's like no mosquitoes where I live and I there's no black flies or deer flies or anything that bothers you you can just go outside and work or hike and you're not being bothered by all that stuff and I just that was an added bonus that's for sure (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I know you've been in the uh the industry basically for roughly 20 years, is that correct?
2: This will be my 19th year. Yeah.
0: I'm just curious to know um, you know, a little bit about your your background. What uh, led you into this industry in the first place?
2: Honestly, it was uh I was working um at GM in the factory for like a couple summers while I was in school and hated every single second of it. Just being trapped inside was just terrible and I was making a heck of a lot of money but a couple of girls I knew got a job on a golf course and they were both going through for like police foundation so they wanted something physical and active and things like that just to kind of work with what they needed to do and um They were like, come work with us this summer. Screw going to the factory. It sucks anyways. And so I left the factory job that summer and went and worked on a golf course. And I went from like $30 an hour down to $8 an hour. And I just fell in love with it. I was like, this is insane. I can't believe we get paid to do this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What would you describe as some of the uh, the highlights of your career? Obviously, not talking about the the association since you're only a, a month into that, but uh, yes, reflecting on your your career in golf.
2: Definitely becoming a superintendent in my 20s, like that was like a goal of mine before 30. I wanted to be a head superintendent of a golf club, and um, oh, I don't know exactly the year right now. Uh, Whitetail Golf Club was. Um, where I got my first job as a superintendent and that was just such a good feeling of accomplishment to be able to finally get to a place where I was at the you know, the top part of the food chain and in that in that portion of like turf maintenance and be able to try all the things out that I always wanted to and just do the things in a way that I wanted to do them. So that, that was a huge one. Being able to do that was such a cool thing. I, I really do appreciate being able to have worn that hat. And I wore it a few times. So it's not like it was just a once. Yeah, and um, you had, um, you've
0: you been at a two or three golf courses, have you not, before you came West?
2: Oh, five, I want to say. Um, I was at Oliver's Nest, then Watson's Glen, then Whitetail. And then I, well, I, another highlight. I can definitely say was after Whitetail, I went to Summerlee Golf Club in Port Perry and and the following year, Western Trent Golf Club, which is up in Bolsover, asked me if I would be a consulting superintendent. So I was actually working in two different golf courses at the same time in a superintendent capacity, but, The best part was, is that they were both owned and operated by women. That's a huge highlight. It was just so much fun to work with a couple, you know, one of them was younger than me by a few years. She was in her early thirties running a golf course. And I just thought that was so cool to see. And then it was a mother and daughter at Western Trent that were running that golf course when I, when I helped them out. And it was such a fun, different kind of experience.
0: Over the years, how have you been regarded by your, your male peers, especially as you climbed the ladder and became uh, you know, more of a, a management type of individual um, and kind of oversaw crews and what have you? What How are you treated by uh, your male co-workers?
2: I would say on average, I was treated very well. I was very well respected by, I would say, like 98% of the people that I was working alongside. But that leaves that 2% there that can feel like 100% at the time because the, the ones that choose not, choose not to accept you as, a, as someone in a management position and um, treat you poorly, it's, they just didn't listen more or less. And sometimes I attributed it to being a young person more than it was. It was a more generational sometimes where I was just young and maybe perceived as inexperienced and stuff like that. So that might be the reason that they more or less disregarded things that I said intentionally. And I did have somebody that just blatantly out and out said, he didn't like me because I was a female and didn't like having a female tell him what to do.
0: Yeah, I suppose there are some of those out there. (laughs) They don't don't get it. But uh, (laughs) what uh, what advice would you have for other women who uh, might wish to consider a, a career in this industry?
2: Typically, I think I would say like Don't be afraid to advocate for yourself when you want to learn new things. I think when I'm meeting young women in this industry, I ask them things like, you know, have you had experience with anything in like setting reels or the mechanic sides of things? Because I just feel like a rounded superintendent should be able to understand those things. And, and, you know, often the women are like, oh, I've never really asked or no one's ever asked me. And I'm like, well, how come? Like you need like, I'm just saying that the young males that I know in this industry that are doing this thing, it's because they usually had said, hey, show me how to do that. So what makes you feel like you can't do that? And, you know, don't expect things to be handed to you. Uh, you have to advocate for yourself because that's the only way to really, in any facet of anything, get ahead. You know, you can't just sit back and wait. You just you need to be able to know what you want and and ask for it because you'd be surprised how much you learn and grow because of it.
0: What would you say you've enjoyed uh, most about your career? And, and perhaps you can uh, you know, address your, your golf career um, and maybe just as short as it's been so far, your, your new career.
2: Oh, besides the obvious sunset or sunrises is like one of those things that you can't you can't really escape the beauty of a sunrise and being lucky enough to be up in the morning and seeing that is just luckily, I still get up early enough to see the sunrise every day, even if I am at home working. And I think that's such an exceptional part of of the profession. But I would say that I think mentoring the young people. And watching them grow is so exceptional. I think that, to me, something that I, you know, you can have that forever, to know that you helped somebody get through the learning stages. And in so, like the the people that I like mentored from the very beginning and seeing where they are now, it's just, it's wonderful to just know that I helped them get to where they are and that, uh, yeah, I feel like that's just something really cool in our industry.
0: I was going to ask you about your, uh, your career goals, but maybe I can rephrase that to um, mm-hmm. wh- where do you uh, hope to... Now that you're in this position with the uh, the BC Superintendents Association, what uh, where do you hope to take that over the next you know few years? Let's say, what uh, do you have any um, goals in mind for uh, how you hope to achieve some of these things?
2: I would like to elevate the member experience. That's kind of my main goal in in taking this new position on. Is I would love to everybody. So I grew up at you know clubs that were lower budget and stuff like that. And that's kind of my world. And anytime I would speak with other superintendents about associations that were at clubs like that, they would typically say, well, I'm not a member because what do they do for me? And so I want to, I mean, almost 20 years after kind of starting to hear that, I would love to be able to do something to help make that not a question someone gets to ask anymore. I want to show the membership the value in the association and really create the experience that makes them not want to, or makes them want to participate. It doesn't, you know, it makes them not want to have a reason to say no, because it's just, it's in their face why it's so great. And for people that participate, it seems like they all have that already. They know why they're doing it. And once they, once they really take part in events and things. They can kind of see the value in it, but it's not for everybody. And I would like to try and make it something that everybody wants to be part of.
0: That was Miranda Robinson, operations manager at the British Columbia Gulf Superintendents Association. In our second episode, which will be presented in a couple of weeks, we'll hear from Dr. Sarah Stricker, outreach and communications coordinator at the Guelph Turfgrass Institute, and Emily Nuttall, irrigation technician at the University of Victoria. Be sure to frequently visit our website at www.turfandrec.com to learn about future podcasts.